Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. This week's guest is Petrified Wing. Uh, Petrified Wing started playing the Souls games and then got intensely turned off when he started, uh, when he wasn't making progress. And you're going to hear those stories and then how he eventually overcame all of those obstacles and now is a huge fan of the series. And it's a, it's a great conversation, so I am not going to interrupt you any further. I hope you enjoy it. you get your start with the soul series well yeah um so my first uh, souls game was dark souls one okay. as for most people <laughs> but i was really late to the party like i play i started in 2014 i came back to video games in 2014 after like a long period without playing anything about four to five years uh, i didn't play anything since Basically, since I I left my home country and came to Germany, which I where I live now, mm-hmm. uh, the first five years I, I wasn't really playing anything. I was trying very hard, like um, learning the language and studying and stuff like that. So I didn't really have any free time for games. If you don't mind me and asking, then, where, where is your home yeah. country? Uh, Greece. I come from Greece. I, w- I got to visit Greece um, four or five years ago, and it is a gorgeous, gorgeous country. Oh, nice to hear. For vacation, it's really nice. Yeah. yeah, it was right before some of the kind of the political strife and riots started happening. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's nice. I, I enjoy going going back for vacation and stuff, but leaving there is just too, was too hard for me and for the what I'm doing for a living. So hmm. anyway, so yeah, uh, 2014, I um, I came back to video games. I bought like a mid tier gaming computer, so. Um, I was starting buying off Steam whatever I could find cheap um, on sale and stuff like that. And so I was playing your typical Assassin's Creed and your, I don't know, Skyrim and all that all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm a big RPG guy. Uh, I have um, history with World of Warcraft and other RPGs, Diablo and stuff like that. So I'm, I really like RPGs. And a friend of mine suggested, based on that information that I lack RPGs, they suggested that I, I try Dark Souls. Um, he knew that I like uh, RPGs. He knew that I like so fantasy stuff like knights and dragons and all that, all that kind of thing. So he said, "You know what? You can you can try it. It's a little bit of a hard game, but um, you, you'll see. You'll like it." I said, "Okay," so I, and I bought it like five euros. It was like on sale, so the prepare nice. to die edition. Mm-hmm. So it was a really good deal. And I started playing, and I, I really loved the beginning. It was so good, um, like the whole the asylum demon falling on you, and then you're trying to run, panic rolling <laughs> through all the pots there, and so on. And I finally found the exit. I wa- I wasn't gonna fight him with a broken sword, so I knew I had to run at, at the very start. So I started running, rolling, and then I found the exit, and everything was good. Like breathed out and then I kept going <laughs> forward <laughs> so to speak uh, I went around the asylum I was really having fun and th- when the boulder came down and crushed me I, I literally burst into laughing because it was so good <laughs> see it was like a cartoon I saw like a wily e. coyote scene where I saw the boulder coming and I had the face like oh shit I'm gonna <laughs> die now 
and then I did obviously, and I really, I really liked it. And then so I went forward and killing skeletons and stuff like that. And when I reached the the fog gate to go back into the asylum demon, I said, "Well, not yet. Let's let's explore a bit more." And then I went to the room right next to the fog door where that knight skeleton knight is in, and that guy just ripped me apart for hours. I was there going back over and over and over and over again, and I kept dying over and over again. I, I, I just couldn't figure out what to do, couldn't figure out how to dodge him, how to parry him, nothing, nothing worked. And after, I don't know, maybe two or three hours, I was relentless. I, I, I wanted to kill him, but I couldn't. So I just quit the game and uninstalled it on the spot. <laughs> I couldn't, I just, I just couldn't. I couldn't. Like, I was thinking, if I can't kill this one skeleton, how am I supposed to kill the big demon and what comes afterwards? Like, I, I have no idea how to deal with this game right now. Yeah, if that's and the I beginning, enemies, imagine, like, the, the rest of it and just, just got a little intimidated and, sh- and decided to shut it down. That's 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 pretty funny. That's the, probably the earliest I've heard someone quitting Dark Souls 1 on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, that's that's a, that was exactly my experience. Like, I, I was I was loving it. It was so, such a struggle struggle for for me because i really love the setting i really love like the opening the whole thing the 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 level there and so on and what after what came but like it was it was like a scale in me the positive side was i was having fun and it was it was a very nice game like atmospherically and so on but on the other hand the frustration coming out of combat I, i wasn't i wasn't sure it was worth my so to speak i don't know my cool or my sanity at that point so i said Maybe I'll come back to it later or something. I just quit mm-hmm. and and actually I didn't look back for about half a year or so. Like uh, I was playing other games. I had a huge backlog on Steam to go like from 2009, basically when I played my last game, which was Dragon Age, the first one. Sure. After that, I didn't have anything. I didn't play anything, so I had a huge backlog to go through. And after about six months. Um, I started going through my Steam library, checking, okay, see what I have finished, what I haven't finished, what I have. And then I see, I saw Dark Souls and I saw, I thought, okay, let's give it another go. Enough, enough time has passed. Maybe, I don't know, I was, I was really out of games when I started. I have no idea. Let's give it another go. And then I installed it again. I started and I went back to the room and I, I took a big, big, um, breath and i went in and i just killed him instantly like, first try it was it, first try <laughs> parried his ass off everything went smooth as, as as it can go and i thought yeah okay now we're talking so i went into the asylum demon i killed him as well like second try maybe i think or mm-hmm. something like that it was not really really difficult and then i kept going i went into the the undead burg i went really slow on the undead burg because I went in head first the first time and I died instantly. So I, I thought I, I'd take it a bit more slow. And I'm a very methodical player, so I really, I really go slow in this in every game practically. And after a couple of hours, I reached the Taurus Demon, and that's when I quit for the second time. Because <laughs> <laughs> I tried. Like, I really tried to, like, I fought him, I think, maybe, like, six or seven times. And the run towards there was also very frustrating because I didn't really know how to go. Like, should I fight every enemy again until I reach there? That takes too long. But if I run, I die 
it in, on the way there. So I was probably a bit under leveled as well because all of the souls I lost in the process. I guess I don't I don't really know exactly. But the Taurus demon was a big wall that I hit and I couldn't. So yeah, I quit and install again for the second time. <laughs> <laughs> and at, at that point, I just crossed the whole series of my list. I, I thought I, I, I just it, it's just not for me. Like I understood the appeal. I understood that it was a good game, but it was just too difficult for me or something, something that didn't work for me. So I just crossed it off and I said, no, I'm not going to play this ever again or something, whatever. And that was that was I think maybe summer of two twenty fourteen. Okay. And yeah, I went on playing other games and then sometime in twenty fifteen I bought a PS4. I think it was like September or so a year later basically. I bought a PS4 and um I started going through the exclusives first because my yeah, it was a new console. I wanted to see what what PS4 has to offer. So I played your Last of Us and your in Infamous Second Son and all that thing, all, all those games. And then at some point I found Bloodborne um the like game of the year, I think edition with a lot, so with a DLC. Okay. It was on sale for Christmas or something, like maybe Black Friday deal or something like that. I think it was no, somewhere in November. Uh, so I bought Bloodborne because I I saw the screenshots and I I like I got the feel of the game and it was something that really spoke me from the very first moment. Like the atmosphere, the dark, the Victorian setting, maybe werewolves or vampires. I didn't really know what to expect, but something like that. Something something supernatural, uh, but but very dark and so on. So I was really I was really into it. So I bought it and I started playing. And I really, I really enjoyed it um, from the from the get go. Like uh, I was going through Yarnum very methodically, just as Undead Burke before that, and I reached the corner, of the alley with the executioner, and um, I said, "Okay, let's try out. Let's see what what this big guy has to offer." And then he, of course, he killed me in one or two shots. I don't remember exactly. And then I thought, nope, we're not doing this again. So I just <laughs> let him in his corner and just went somewhere else. I'm not gonna deal with this guy now because I know if I stuck, I'm stuck here. I will, I will quit. So I did. I didn't. I just let him there and went somewhere else. But um, after after a couple of hours of thoroughly exploring Yarnum, I reached Father Gascoigne, and that was the biggest wall I have ever had in in video games. Because, you know, like uh, archetypical fights in like th- those kinds of games, like Cleric Beast, for example, that was the first boss and it was okay. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a big, huge thing that smashes here and there. You can just learn how it moves. It moves relatively slowly because it's big. It's whatever. And then you learn how to dodge, go behind, go under his feet. You can do stuff like that. It's, a, it's, not, a, it's not a symmetrical fight. It's just a very David Goliath kind of thing. So it's easy to comprehend and to to interact with those kinds of bosses. So it was fine. But Father Gascoigne was a duel. It was something completely different that I haven't really known before as a as a boss in a video game. And he had the exactly same moveset as I did, and he, he had exactly the same weapons as I did, but somehow he moved better than I did. <laughs> so I was really frustrated because I was I felt outwitted. I felt like he knows better how I'm thinking than I know how he thinks. And that really pisses, pissed me off. 
Like I, I was like, no, that this can't be. This can't be. I was thinking, okay, I'm going to move in that way, and then I'm going to counter his attack and so on. And then he was countering my attacks, and I was like, no, that that's that can't be how video games work. And so I was really stuck uh, for weeks, like maybe three weeks or something like that. I was really stuck on that on that boss. I I have no idea how many tries I've done. I stopped counting because otherwise I would go insane. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's Luckily, the, um, like you, you mentioned yeah, that you're, you're kind of getting your, your head, you're, you're bashing your head against these walls. Like what's, are you, were, were you ever tempted to go online and like look up strategies for Father Gascoigne at this point? Or was that something that you no, don't, you weren't yet. letting yourself do? No, no. I, I'm, I'm very um, proud person mm-hmm. in a sense, like you know, for my achievements so if I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to do it myself, which is ironic that you ask that because the next thing in the story is that after three weeks, I, I couldn't do it. So I did go online and I cheesed him. I watched the video by Vati and then I cheesed him. I, I just couldn't do it. After three weeks of bashing my head against the wall, I just caved in. I, it was my my limit. So after that, I just cheesed him, and I said, "If I don't cheese him now, I'm gonna stop playing this game, and I don't want to stop playing it because it's really good." So I'll just go through this guy with any means necessary, and then I'll continue playing the game. I'll enjoy it, and maybe I'll come back at some other point and do him proper. So that's that's <laughs> that's basically how it went. Okay. Yeah, no, that that was really that was really a wall that I wasn't. It it was like a revelation for myself as well that I would rather take the low road, so to speak, in that point, but I would have the the game to the rest of the game to enjoy. So, the hell with it. Why not? Sure. Yeah. I mean, if it because that's that's something that um, you know there's a little bit of a debate about in the Dark Souls community or in the Souls community I should say um, you know whether or not that's you know using cheese to get past bosses is quote unquote you know legit or what have you and, and in my mind mm-hmm. like whatever you can do to get past a boss whatever the game lets you do that's that's legit because you're still going to experience that game so if you're using a cheese method or you're summoning friends or you're summoning NPCs like none of that actually matters you're still playing the game and that, then that's what matters yeah yeah certainly yeah, that's that's um, that's something that I thought as well. In the sense that, well, it was it was really difficult for me to overcome this this like um, ego. Basically, it's it's kind of an ego uh, point, uh, like an ego matter at, at that point. But um, I I didn't I didn't care at the end. Like I came like a better person out of it just because I I just learned when to give give up so to speak giving up is also an option which not many people think it's it's a legit option but sometimes it just it just is because the alternative is to just throw something away or i don't know not experience something talking about video games of course but um sure yeah, yeah. i mean going against the the theme of the show which is not to give up skeleton <laughs> <laughs> oh i gave up so many times <laughs> Oh yeah, that's that's a that's a skeleton that gives up. <laughs> At least when it comes to souls. Well, not anymore. Like now, now I know enough about about souls that I I know how to deal with with problems like this, and that will come come in the story later on the other games. Like Dark Souls Three was is a good example. 
Uh, but mm, let's not jump the gun. Bloodborne is still my favorite game, and I would like to, <laughs> to talk more in detail about that. Let's do it. I can talk about Bloodborne all day long. So you have a you have a, an eager audience for you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, so Bloodborne really um, caught me from the very beginning. Even though at the at the beginning I thought it was a werewolf game, like every single person out there thought at the beginning that this this was a werewolf game. Even though it wasn't, in the end I still I was still enthralled by the very beginning. Like I I really remember how evocative like the whole. Uh, burning a werewolf at the stake uh, on a plaza with lots of people screaming like around. It was really, there there are really good iconic memories from that game from an, from an an emotional standpoint. Like I found um, all the NPC quest lines were amazing. Like I was, I was really, I was really uh, taken away by the Adriana quest line, Alfred quest line, everything was so so good, so well placed and so emotional, like evocative from from an emotional standpoint. That being your your first Souls game that you were kind of getting through, I can imagine that yeah, um, the the connections you made with that character were probably a little bit more powerful. Like I, coming from the the previous games, I was like I was kind of thinking that they were a little slight, but um, in Bloodborne they they're seemingly so well placed. Like there's not a lot of it, but what's there is really mm. really good. So I can, I can see how you would uh, you know get really into those plot lines. Were you on my first run of Bloodborne? I completely missed all of that stuff. <laughs> like I didn't do it. I don't think I did a <laughs> single uh, quest line. Were you using a guide at that point, or were you just like no. thoroughly going through and and exploring everything and so getting those interactions? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So as I said before, I'm a very methodical player, which means that my first playthrough uh, was around 120 hours or something like that. I was going really, really slow and I found pretty much everything. Like, I think I missed one NPC quest line or two, maybe. I don't Mm -hmm. really remember. I think I didn't get um, like the guy that eats um, the beast that eats the guys on the Forbidden Wood. Yeah, yeah. The, mm-hmm. That guy I didn't found on my first playthrough, but that's not really a quest line. It's more like a hidden thing you can find and fight the guy. And some other things I didn't find, but I found like all the umbilical cords. I I accidentally like unlocked the good ending, so to speak, on my first playthrough. I didn't know it. I did it, but I just found pretty much everything. And most of it was like some quest lines are are a bit obscure like not not to the point of dark souls 3 obscure but at least for someone that comes into the series uh, it's not so um intuitive to find all those stuff so for example um what's her face the the switch girl um, josefka okay josefka then mm-hmm. i meant the bait and switch thing yeah so josefka how I found Yosefka was really funny because I, I came through the Forbidden Woods, came up the ladder and found the like the clinic. And then when I walked in the room where she says, go back or something, whatever she says, I literally just turned around and left. So when I came back after Rome, she was already on the table. If I didn't go and I fought her there, I, w- I wouldn't have um, get gotten the uh, umbilical cord from her. But because I just left, she said me to, she told me to leave, so I left. And then I came back <laughs> after Rom, and she was on her knees on a table, so I just got the umbilical cord from that. So that was pure luck. But other than that, I was going like really methodically and finding all the stuff that I could find. Pretty much, yeah. What, um... 
did it take you a while to 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 figure out you know item descriptions and and things like that because it's so it's such an unusual way to tell a story um the way that you know these from soft souls games do uh, and it it took me a while to realize um oh i should be reading these things and this this stuff is important even beyond just like flavor text like this is actually like stuff that i should be reading did you get that pretty quick or did it did it take you a little while to come to it i actually knew about item descriptions from dark souls 1 Okay. So when I started playing Dark Souls 1, I kind of figured out that that was a way uh, to tell the story or at least part of the story. And I was immediately turned away from it because I don't, uh, I, I think, for at least for me, that's a personal opinion, but reading, stopping and reading an item description that just takes me out of the experience. So I don't really do it. Um, I I hope... And so far, it has been the case that the the other types of storytelling that is in Dark Souls and in Bloodborne are enough for me to keep going. And then when I finish it, then I go and watch videos and read about all the stuff that I should have le- read on the item descriptions, but I just rely on other people to do it for me, so to speak, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not a lord, like... I'm not a lore expert by any means. Like I've, I would never call myself that. And it's, I find it extraordinarily fascinating that people can pull these individual paragraphs and, you know, craft actual stories from them. Like I'm curious about it from the creative aspect of wanting to tell the story and then breaking that down into item descriptions. Like I'd love to be able to talk to some of the writers on the games to, to try to see how that process, what that process is. And then on the other side, like talking to the actual lore experts in the community and how they come up with these ideas and these, and then like, you know, systematically back them up or tear them apart or what have you. It's just like, it's just not me. Like my brain is not wired that way at all. <laughs> yeah. For me as well. It's, it's the same thing. I like, I like like when I, when I read uh, an article or on Reddit or a post something, or I watch a video, I like thinking about what I've read and what I've uh, watched and so on. And I like the, the, like the twists that I'm getting out of the experience the next time I go through. So mm-hmm. that enriches my experience watching other people's videos and so on by picking up, uh, stuff and um, going through again, but I wouldn't do it for myself. Like I, I'm not the guy that's gonna read every single weapon description in Dark Souls. That's not gonna happen anyway. So yeah, yeah. So that was the first playthrough that I did on Bloodborne. Unfortunately, I did not know that after the Moon Presence, it starts immediately with New Game Plus. Mm-hmm. So I literally screwed myself from going into the DLC. Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah because you had to <laughs> oh, <laughs> That sucks. Yeah, that's I really that, that's yeah. that's a throwback to those original Souls games like Dark Souls 2 and 3 both handle that really really gracefully and I I hope that any kind of future games from From Software will yeah. will have that feature cuz yeah, that's that's really kind of annoying. Yeah. Yeah, well in the end it worked out okay cuz I I tried going into the DLC in a new game plus and I got my ass kicked so I just started a new character and I played through the whole game again. <laughs> Did you was, do a different build this time like were you kind of interested yes. to try out new weapons? Yeah, definitely. Like um in the beginning like with every RPG I usually go the quality way cuz I don't really know what com- what weapons are there and what what actually exists in the game. So I just, you know, my first playthrough, I had a quality build with uh, Ludwig's Holy Sword. Okay. And after that, my second um, uh, playthrough, I did a skill blood tinge build with uh, Chikage. Uh, 
Nice. That's always fun. Yeah. Did you pick up the yeah, bow blade? Because that's one of my favorite skill blood tinge weapons in the game is that bow blade. Mm, well, I had the bow blade, but I'm I'm a, a big katana guy. Mm-hmm. So if there is a katana in the game, I'm using it. <laughs> You're going to use the katana. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, and of course, that worked out pretty well because afterwards I picked up the Rakuya, which is my favorite game in Bloodborne. And I still, my favorite weapon, I mean. I uh, love yeah, I the Rakuya so much. Yeah. I just picked up... So, um, I just helped a friend of mine uh, get it on his playthrough. He was trying to get, he hadn't d- done all the trophies yet. So he was trying to get all of those weapons that oh, okay, he had skipped yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, like just loading up my skill build. And, you know, he, he wanted me to help him with Orphan of Kai's. And then just, mm-hmm. man, it's just like coming home with the Rikuyo. It's so much fun to dash around and twirl and, and just, and it looks cool. And like that, that weapon is just so much fun. I wish it actually yeah. had like fire and blood coming out of it. Like it is when Lady Maria uses it, but can't have everything, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. But it, it's really fun. I really like it as well. I also, on my second playthrough, I knew enough uh, of the game to kind of understand that I need to learn how to stagger with a weapon. Because of all of the like the hunters and the humanoid enemies that you meet, basically, and you have to fight, parrying is a really, really useful skill to have. So basically what I did was um, I went into the Chalice Dungeons and I went all the way to the Thumerian Descendant, which is the guy before uh, Queen Yarnum. Mm-hmm. And I just, I played, I don't know, maybe 10 hours just with him and trying to parry his attacks. Because he's really aggressive, but he's also, like he has a very specific moveset that is quick, but he has also some other attacks that are slower. So I was just laying uh, laying on him for hours and hours and just got him to low health and died and go back again for like until i actually learned how to parry i just played with him all like for 10 hours or so. <laughs> are you the parry king now like are you do you feel pretty confident being able to parry just about anything in the game after practicing that in long? bloodborne yes i still have to learn how to parry in dark souls because I, I i don't know this is a different it's a different mechanic I, I can't really wrap my hand around it but um in bloodborne i can confidently say that uh, well pretty much i i parried my way through the whole dlc except for uh, ludwig and lawrence obviously but um like lady maria and orphan of cause and even the even the big shark guys, I didn't have, have any problem with them because I found out like if you go like really far away from them, you can provoke like this belly slide attack that they do. Mm-hmm. And this attack has a really huge window for parrying. So you basically just uh, shoot them while they're sliding and you just stagger them. So you can spam that and you can kill him really easily. So I just did that. And that must look baller I, as hell too. Like there was yeah. this giant shark man sliding at you and you're just like, nope, nope, not today. <laughs> yeah, and it's a, it's a really screwed up thing as well because there is no transition animation. So basically he goes from sliding on his belly to being kneeled like upright. So it just re- it looks really funny how he goes from sliding on his belly to to the stagger position. It might, yeah, whatever. It's it's just funny things. So um, now that you have done this in, in Bloodborne, and obviously you're probably coming out of Bloodborne feeling pretty confident in your in your Souls combat abilities, are you th- are you thinking to yourself like now I'm going to go back and conquer Dark Souls One? Yes, and that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really had the Souls itch, so to speak, after Bloodborne. I was really feeling feeling the vibe. I I wanted to go back. And uh, play the other games, like not only Dark Souls One, but Dark Souls Two as well. At that point, I didn't really know anything about the series, like no, no talks about 
oh, Dark Souls 2 is crap and whatever. So I did, I have no idea about all that stuff. I was really new to the series. So, uh, yeah, I went back to Dark Souls 1. And <laughs> Dark Souls 1 after Bloodborne is really special. Like, it's something, like, from... from from the positive perspective, I can say I knew I knew what I was getting into, so I had a little more confidence, a little more. I was noticing other things that I didn't before. But on the negative side, it was really, really clunky and slow. Like it felt like really, really slow compared to compared to Bloodborne. So that was a bit of a turnoff. But I th- I said okay, I'm gonna give it time and whatever. We'll see how it goes. Like it's not gonna stop me now. So, um, yeah, I started uh, uh, Dark Souls 1 again. I went through all the the Undead Burke and so on until the Taurus Demon, uh, which was my previous stopping point. And I was right, like at that point, I knew enough about the Souls games to really notice things like what the arena looks like and why is it formed the way it is. So, for example, the Taurus Demon arena is just a long bridge. So I thought to myself, why is it a long bridge? I'm not going to stand on one side of the bridge and fight him. That makes no sense. So I just start running towards the other end of the bridge and see what's there. And then he came towards me and then I turn around and I saw the ladder. So I thought, oh, <laughs> there's a ladder there. Okay. So I ran all the way back and climbed up the ladder, killed the skeletons, and then I jumped on his head. And it was apparent what the, that, what the tactic was. So I just run all the way to the other side, then back, climbed up, drop attack, and that's how I killed Tauros Demon. It was really easy after I figured out that the arena itself. That's fascinating to me because, um, you know, you always hear, oh, Dark Souls is a hard or impossible game or, or whatever, but, you know, that's a clear example of you looking around, seeing something in the environment that you were supposed to use, and then figuring out a tactic that's based on that. And that's, to me, like, it, that's the game that's teaching you a lesson in how to play it. Like that, that's, and that's what Dark Souls 1 specifically does so well. Bloodborne does this as, uh, to, a, to a degree. But Dark Souls mm-hmm. 1 especially, like, has all of these things there that should, okay, this is how you do it. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to give you some clues. You just have to figure it out. And it, <laughs> and once you do it, you, you just you, it clicks with you. And then you really don't have much of a problem with the rest of the game except for execution. True, yeah. Um, that's that's how it went with Taurus Demon, and the same the same thing went for me f- with Capra Demon as well. At that point, I was kind of looking, not exactly into guides or something like that, but I was trying to like be acquainted with the whole universe. So I was reading stuff here and there, and I was uh, um, reading stuff on Reddit and and uh, other places that Capra Demon is really hard and Taurus Demon is easy compared to Capra Demon. And I thought, okay, let's see what this Capra Demon is about then. So I went into into the whole. Uh, lower Undead Burke and so on. I, I reached the Capra Demon. I went inside and the exact same thing happened with Capra as it happened with the Taurus Demon. I looked the arena. I saw the stairs on the left. So I ran on the left. I ran up. He followed. I jumped down. He jumped as well. I did the whole circle again. I jumped on his head and that was it. I killed him like second try, I think, or something like that. Which is normally so, a huge stumbling block in a Dark Souls 1 run, but yeah. you were able to piece together the clues it was pretty much the same the same thing as with Taurus Demon. So I just looked at the arena and said, okay, what's happening here? He's a really fast guy. He's a really aggressive guy, but the arena is really small. So I can't really stand. I can't really kite him. I can't really block him. I can't do anything besides, oh, the stairs. Okay, 
up the stairs. And after that, it it came pretty much naturally how how you deal with it. So that was fun as well. Like I, I had the feeling I'm getting a revenge on Dark Souls, so to speak. Like it crushed me in the first <laughs> two times, so now I'm 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 getting back. And that was I I really had fun. After Capra Demon, I went into a sewer, which I re- I really didn't know where to go from there. I didn't find any way to go forward for some reason, and I went back. Uh, to Farling Shrine and then I went the other way and I was starting like from that point on I don't really have any coherent memories on what exactly I did afterwards like what in what order because I went in so many places and I have no idea what comes and I have no idea what, how the map in Dark Souls 1 works because I haven't finished it uh, yet I'm waiting for the remaster, which was announced yesterday or the day before, and I'm so happy about that. But anyway. me, me too. I'm a. This yeah. is actually the first uh, episode, the first Don't Give Up Skeleton I've recorded since that announcement. And man, I am just yes. unbelievably excited to have Dark Souls Same. One, Two, Three, and Bloodborne on a PS4. Like all we need, all we all we, left, all we, all we need is uh, Demon Souls at this Demon point, Souls, and I'll be yeah. happy, 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 happy Souls fan. Yeah, same here. Because Demon Souls is actually one of the games that I, I, it really. Same as Bloodborne, like it's something that uh, thematically and atmospherically it really talks speaks to me. Like I really, I would really enjoy it. I know that I d- would, but uh, I, I have no way of playing it. Like I have no PS3 and um, all the other problems with it. Like I think it would also be a, di- a difficult um, to go back. Like it's it's a 2009 game, I think, and going back is always a bit rough. So I would enjoy like a remastered version where they they clean up a bit the whole clunkiness maybe and it's interesting. I've I've um I've yeah. interviewed quite a few people that went backwards through the series or that played Demon Souls last or after playing, you know, Bloodborne or Dark Souls 3 and I always ask that question of whether or not it was difficult to come to terms with some of the the, the loss of the quality of life improvements that they've made to the series, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. and it and it is, but it seems for most people that the the benefits just far outweigh it. Like most for most people, they they just oh yeah, I, you know, it was item encumbrance was annoying, but I I just got over it by the time <laughs> I finished the game, like that, those okay. kind of things. So. Yeah, they're, um, they've had some success emulating it. So if you've got a relatively high-end PC, you, you could try to do it that way. But Because um, I'm very, very doubtful at this point that we're ever going to see a remaster. Because I feel like if, if Sony could do it, they would have already done it by now. Like I just, It's one of their, you know, it's one of the stars in their PS3 library that they they can't even get on PS mm-hmm. now outside of Japan. So I, I, have a, I have a strong doubt that anyone's going to be able to come out with a, a new version, unfortunately. Mm. I yeah, will gladly I, I eat crow on this too. By the way, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, let's let's hope they find a way out of the uh, the whole patent and rights mess that they are in with it and come come out with it. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, so where were we? So, uh, so you mentioned that you you had not finished Dark Souls One, but you had no. you had finished the the Capra Demon and you kind of poked around. Like, was did you just kind of? Run out of steam, or did another game come along, or, or what happened that you? Didn't oh, right, it? right, right. No, I I hit the next wall, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> I, I I got. I think I got cocky after Taurus and Capra Demon. I got a little bit cocky with with my playstyle. So I was running around. Um, I don't remember the order, as I said before. So I remember a chapel with lots of knights that has like a shortcut back to the Firelink Shrine. I did that. Um, after that, I think I found Andre and, or before that, I don't even remember. 
And I also found the Onion Knight at the big gate that he can't open. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if I managed to open it or not. I don't even remember how you open it. But after after that, I remember going somewhere like a forest with some luminous flowers and stuff like that. Like I was running around pretty much aimlessly. I, I didn't. I had no idea where I was going. And then the next thing I remember is that I managed to reach a Sith um, somehow. I have no idea how I did it, but that was the next boss that I fought after Capra Demon. <laughs> this, you're describing this almost like it was a dream at this point. Like I kind of remember going here it and then something like happened and then, I, and then I fought a giant wolf with a sword. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like a dream in the sense that every path that I took after Capra Demon, I was so turned away from it for one reason or another. Like I went into the sewers and I couldn't find wh- where to go from there. So I went back and then I went into the the cemetery and I thought, mm, maybe not. Then I went into the other place with the ghosts and I said, no, probably not. And then I went into some, I don't know, lake with a hydra or something. And I thought, mm, definitely not there. So I was just running around trying to find my way. And I somehow stumbled my way to a huge ass wolf with a sword in its mouth. So... And that that's where I where I I I kind of bounced off again, because um, I just couldn't deal with him again. It was it was a move set that I I couldn't comprehend. So after I don't know maybe a couple of hours again, I, I just deleted again. <laughs> <laughs> Yet another skeleton that gave up is going to be the theme yep. of this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Although Dark Souls One is the only game that I actually quit three times every other game like souls game um like bloodborne and dark souls 2 and dark souls 3 i finished and um i was happy with it like um i did i i dark souls 1 is my arch nemesis i haven't completed it yet i'm waiting for the remastered version and i think that will be the time where i will dive in and just say i'm gonna finish this no matter what now it's 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 my goal (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I, I installed uh, Dark Souls three for the uh, Dark Souls one for the third time, and luckily uh, the uh, Scholar of the First Sin edition of the Dark Souls two was on sale on PlayStation Store uh, at that time. So I bought that and started playing Dark Souls two because um, I wanted to play something Souls, but Dark Souls one apparently was not for me sure. for some reason. <laughs> so I went into Dark Souls two. Uh, which I finished uh, once, and I probably n- will never play it again. <laughs> Just because, um, like, because that, that's a huge game. Like, I think that's probably it's easily the biggest Souls game out there. Was it just too long, or did you have some problems with the mechanics? Or it felt no, I didn't have any problem with the mechanics. It just felt like a one-time thing. Like I, I played through it. I did everything. Like I didn't do any everything that the game has to offer, obviously. Um, like from quest lines and stuff like that. But um, at least I finished like uh, all the content that I could and I wanted to. And the story felt like very self-contained and very well-round for its own. Um, yeah. It was doing its own thing without connections to the the previous game. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And that was a positive thing for me because I wasn't very familiar or actually not at all familiar with Dark Souls 1 lore, so I didn't have any comparisons. I went into Dark Souls 2 
uh, f- with a mindset I'm playing a standalone game. I wasn't looking for a direct sequel at that point because I didn't know anything about Dark Souls 1. So I just ignored the fact that on Dark Souls 2, there is a 2 on the box, so to speak. And I just played it and it was fine. I liked it. I liked the story. I liked the mechanics. The only thing that I have, the only problem that I have with Dark Souls 2, and with, it's the reason why I'm, I'm never going to play it again, is that I found pretty much all the bosses except for um, Sarah Lone and the Fume Knight really, really underwhelming and boring. Okay. So I was just, I, I can confidently say that there was no boss in Dark Souls 2 that took me more than five tries to beat. So, so the, a common complaint against the bosses in, in Dark Souls Two is that most of them are, you know, just big dudes with swords. Um, is that, yeah, or is is it that, or is there just the the lack of challenge that that kind of underwhelms you? It's the lack of challenge. Very predictable move sets, mm-hmm. like not enough um, variability between them. Like, of course, you have like your your. Um, what she called the the half uh, scorpion lady and Nadja, mm-hmm. yeah, Nadja, and you have you have like different 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 animations and different different models of bosses, but somehow every every boss felt the same, like you had to do the same thing to kill them. There wasn't there was no challenge there to somehow get me excited for coming back again on New Game Plus or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I just finished the game and I put it away and I was happy with it. I, I didn't feel the need to go back, but I didn't have any like um, strong negative feelings about it. Although I must say the, the Ninja Frog boss, funniest boss ever. Ninja really Frog? Enjoyed. The Demon of Song, you mean? Yeah the, yeah, the Shrine of a Mana boss. That was really funny. I love that, I really I love that, that boss. Like because that's one of my complaints about Dark Souls 2 is that I feel like a lot of the bosses are... Even just straight up from a visual aesthetic standpoint, just kind of mm. underwhelming. And uh, Demon of Song is definitely the weirdest one in the game for me. And it's just mm. like I like it just for that reason alone. Like the fact that it like peels off a face to fight you is really hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was really a, fun- a funny boss. Um, I don't remember if I-, I really enjoyed the the three DLC uh, with Dark Souls two, mm-hmm. but still I don't. Like as I said before, with the exception of Sarah Lone and Fume Knight, I don't really think any of the other bosses. Like the levels were amazing. I really enjoyed going through the levels, fighting all the enemies, like doing the whole puzzly things with whatever it was, the the snow in the Ivory King DLC and the other things. Like I really enjoyed all the levels and everything up until to the bosses. And that was that was the the big disappointment that you were doing all those things, which was really cool things. But at the end, what waited for you was really disappointing. So somehow something broke my experience with with Dark Souls Two that I didn't make me want to go back. Um, what was it about uh, Sarah Lone and Fume Knight that 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 they that, that they're the exceptions to that? I think it's it's well. Sarah alone is 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 a is a duel again. Like mm-hmm. it's the same it's the same how I felt with Father Gascoigne and uh, the other hunter duels in, on Bloodborne. He's a guy with a really huge katana, and he just comes at you. And he's really he has a really unique move set. At least that's the way I see it, comparing to other um, bosses in Dark Souls. And he's quicker. He's really fast 
in his movement. So he, he gave me like a Bloodborne feel, maybe. That's why I liked uh, the, okay. the boss so far. And then Fume Knight, I liked the... It was pretty much one of the few bosses, if I remember correctly, in Dark Souls 2, which had two distinct phases. So I really liked that about Fume Knight. Okay. Um, yeah, having that... <clears throat> Excuse me. Having that that second phase kick in towards the middle, and all of a sudden he becomes way more aggressive is is definitely yeah. something that they, they they took into Bloodborne. Like that seems like a yeah a very Bloodborne thing now. Even though Dark Souls Two did it a little bit early. Yeah, exactly. That I think that was that was the um, the reason why I liked it so much. Yeah, but other than that, that's um, that's that was my experience with Dark Souls Two, and the thing that Dark Souls Two made me like I I, I grew out of Dark Souls 2 um, with a way to play Souls games now. So the way I do it after Dark Souls 2 is I go through every area blind once. Like the first time I, I don't uh, search for anything, like no no guides or anything. I go through blind and as soon as I finish the area, I go and search on the internet what I missed, what there is here and so on. And then I go back to uh, through the area again on the spot like i'm not waiting for to finish the whole game Ah, and then look online Mm -hmm. but i go from area to area and that's how i played uh dark souls 2 and dark souls 3 uh so from from area to area i like uh, listen to podcasts about the specific area like that's how i i went with bonfire side chat for example is i would finish an area for the first time and then i would listen to the episode for the specific area on Bonfire Side Chat, and then I was I would look like guides and videos, and then I would go and experience the area again, and with with all the information that I had and the things that I missed and all that, all that information that I had, I would experience the the area almost in a new way, and that that I really like that, and I I played Dark Souls three the same way, and I really enjoy playing Souls game like that. What um. Mm. Does it since you did that a little bit differently than you did Bloodborne? Like, is that is that just for a completionist standpoint? Like, you just want to make sure that you see everything from without spending you know a whole lot of time replaying the game over again, or is that just or is that the driving force behind that just to get everything? Yeah, it's pretty much. I um, I don't think it's like it's a completionist thing for the for completionist sake. It's more like I want I I like building my character. To its fullest potential, like I, I like min-max in my build and see, okay, what uh, rings are there, what weapons are there, what whatever, what armor is there, and then I want to find every single item in the game so I can build my character as I'm playing through the first time, and that's why I I want to go back and find everything, like on a kind of a meta level, like I want to build my character to the best of its potential for the first playthrough. And after that, I can go and do another build, a, a completely other build on my second playthrough. Gotcha. Well, let's let's roll into Dark Souls 3 because I'm curious, is, is the timing work out that you're playing this game on release unlike the other ones? Like, were you pretty excited no. that it was coming out? Well, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes on the second question, no to the first question. <laughs> okay. um, that's simply because um, at that time... Dark Souls 3 came... When When did it come out? I forgot. 2016? 2016, yeah. Yeah. Wait, okay, was it, so it, was it this year? Was it 2017? 
No, no it had to be 2016. So. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it was uh, 2016. Yeah. Um, at that point, I was still I was still um, in university. I was doing my masters, so I wasn't really like I couldn't really afford buying like full price games, mm-hmm. um, which is the reason why I. I well, I, I didn't play any of the games on release. Like, I knew Bloodborne existed when it came out, but I, I couldn't I couldn't buy it uh, full price. So I waited for a for a sale or something like that. And the same thing went for Dark Souls 3. Like, I was excited. I wanted to play on release, but I just couldn't afford it full price. So I waited a couple of months, and then I bought it used um, from, from eBay, I think, or something like that. And so I, I played... Uh, maybe three or four months after it came out, something like that. Yeah. And what was your kind of overall opinion on Dark Souls Three, having played? Because that's that game shares a, a lot of DNA with Bloodborne, I think, even though it doesn't pull off some of the quicker combat as well as Bloodborne did. So I'm kind of curious, what, what was your opinion on on the game overall? How did you come out of it? Uh, I have kind of mixed opinions about Dark Souls Three, um, and that's because. Like I know in past episodes, you you ask some of the people or many of the people, like, are you more a mechanics guy or are you more a lore guy or something like that? And for me, the answer to that question would be both. Like I uh, gameplay and story for me feed off each other. Like I can't really say, okay, I'm ignoring the story and I'm just playing like killing skeletons and demons for the sake of killing them or for the sake of having a challenge challenging fight or something and the other way around i can just say oh this is a really good story but if the gameplay is crap i I just can't play the game sure if i have a a little bit of a story that keeps me going and good mechanics then i can forgive shortcomings in either of those two things but they have to feed off each other otherwise i don't i don't really uh, enjoy games and dark souls 3 was a really interesting uh game in that perspective because it had shortcomings on the story side uh, but that due to the fact that I hadn't played the Dark Souls 1 to its entirety and I wasn't really familiar with the lore of Dark Souls 1 all the references in Dark Souls 3 up to Dark Souls 1 went over my head sure so I didn't have any connection to pretty much anything that happened in Dark Souls 3 in the whole story, except with the only, pretty much only unique um, storyline, which was Anri. Uh, that was the only NPC that I had some kind of connection, and I really enjoyed the the storyline and where, where it went with it, with the whole um, wedding yeah, and yeah, so on. That's all really, really cool. I like that. Yeah, that that was the only thing that I actually had the connection with in Dark Souls Three. Everything else went over my head. Like I, I was, I wasn't really enthralled by the story. I didn't really understand why things are the way they are and what I'm actually doing in the world. Like I knew I had to go and do something with the fire and so on, but I I wasn't really know. I wasn't really aware of the extent of what that means. What I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So that worked against it because I wasn't connected with the story. But I can understand the opposite argument as well uh, for people that were really into Dark Souls 1 story and then they were disappointed because Dark Souls 3 was pretty much like a they poked you Dark Souls 1. 
Dark Souls 1. Dark Souls 1. <laughs> yeah, do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I, it, it worked, like it had some positives and negatives that I, uh, um, from the story perspective. The good, the good thing is that I really enjoyed it mechanically. Like it was really, it was closer to Bloodborne, so I felt more, um, like I felt more more at home with the combat. And the best thing that Dark Souls Three has to offer for me uh, is uh, the boss fights. Somehow, every single boss in Dark Souls Three felt unique. Even the two versions of the Gundir fight mm-hmm. felt unique enough to me to enjoy them both. Uh, uh, independent of each other, which was a really good, a really cool moment for me that I uh, that I went into the dark, what, what's it called, the untended graves, and then go back to the same boss essentially, but it was so different than the first time that I thought, yeah, that's 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 unique, that's something that's something really different than what I when I when I first fight him in the beginning, and I really enjoyed every single. I think every single boss fight. I don't. I don't know if I have any bosses that I didn't enjoy from Dark Souls Three. I can't. I can't remember. Do you have any any bosses that you know in the community they are considered somehow weak or something? Um, just in terms of like being easy, the Crystal Sage always comes up as as a boss that's pretty trivial. Oh, okay. Um, but like I like I fought that boss my first time on a sorcerer run and uh, had a huge amount of difficulty for it because I was kind of leaning towards magic damage, which of course it's extremely resistant towards. Um, okay. But other than that, like most of I feel like most of the bosses are are good. Um, I think everyone not not everyone, but I think there's a good amount of uh, people in the community that wish that some of the more difficult bosses just had three quarters of their HP instead of the HP that they have just to make it not quite as much of a test of endurance as, as they are. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I see what you mean. Although. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see, I can see that point. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't really feel, um, like the, the, the way that it was with Amelia, for example, in Bloodborne that she, she had really, really high HP and the fight felt really lingering without any particular reason. Mm-hmm. And with the healing, obviously, that if you didn't have numbing mist, it was like a pain in the ass to actually stop it. Um, but other than that, in any in all the other games, somehow the health bar of the bosses felt appropriate for the moment, at least. Mm-hmm. Like I can't really say. The on oh right now I I, I read I read through my notes and um, I see the name of the nameless king. Ah, uh, yes. And that's <laughs> pretty much the one that I was, I was referencing when I said, when I about the too much HP. Yeah. That's that dude is just too much all around yeah. too much. A nameless king. Yeah. That was, that was definitely something, um, that I didn't really enjoy. And that was for two reasons. The first thing is that his, he, the first phase is just boring. It makes no sense to me that you fight this huge electric chicken. And, <laughs> <laughs> you have to fight it over and over again if you like if you if you die in the second phase you have to do the first phase again and i don't think it's a very interesting um phase to begin with like the the whole attack attacks and stuff like that i, I didn't really enjoy but the the second phase had for me a very huge potential to be something great but somehow it missed the point by a very small margin maybe that's a personal opinion but I couldn't really read his movement because of all the moving particles in the arena. 
Like you had the mist on the floor and you had like clouds in the distance and you had like his his armor that has some kind of like feathery stuff. And then you had his lightning particles on his spear. So it was so many moving particles on the screen that I just couldn't read his movement. I couldn't dodge. I couldn't parry. I couldn't do anything because I couldn't read the movement. Maybe it was just my like something with my eyes or something like that. I don't know. I don't know exactly. Maybe it was frame rate issues due to the moving particles. I don't know exactly what it was, but I just couldn't fight him. There was no way for me to read his movement correctly so I can dodge in the correct timing just because I couldn't see the movement. Yeah, that's so, that was a big issue yeah. with my is that, that boss fight. It feels like you're fighting the camera more than you are the actual boss, and when True. the boss actually gets hard, it it makes it even more difficult to to figure out what you're doing and what you should be doing at that time. Like it's it's really frustrating for a lot of reasons. Like I think that fight could be retooled. I know some people really enjoyed it for what it is, but man, I am yeah. not one of them. Yeah, no, I I enjoy like I can understand it. the the premise of the fight is really appealing. Like you have the the like a god figure so to speak pretty much with a huge lightning spear and it's it's feels like a duel but he's slightly bigger than you like he's not a huge boss but he's also not a one-to-one it it's i can understand the appeal but somehow mechanically i i just couldn't couldn't do it it didn't work for me at all yeah what did you feel about the the story like did you kind of did you come out of it kind of like, were you kind of done with Dark Souls at that point? Or do you, well, I mean, obviously you're still excited to go back to Dark Souls 1, but like, I'm kind of curious what, what the way that that game ends, how, how you felt at the end of it. Um, it's kind of left a bitter taste in my mouth, so to speak, because regardless, like, you have the choice. Like, you have the choice of either lighting, lighting the fa- flame or uh, rekindling the flame or leave the, like, darkness age and then you have the third choice take the flame and do whatever hollow things and somehow there wasn't enough there on its own to make any of the choices seem significant enough for me gotcha like if i knew what it meant to rekindle the flame if i knew what it meant for the world to what is an age of darkness that would come and if i knew what it means for me to take the flame and lead the hollows if there was some sense of what that means and what changes, what fundamentally changes in the world by those decisions, I would enjoy the whole the whole story of it. Not just the end of it, but the whole of it. But somehow the end was so, I don't know, meaningless or, or inconsequential that I didn't really enjoy any of it because the, the choice was irrelevant to me because I couldn't see anything that came out of it. Maybe maybe it means something like how, what, how does it feel knowing the dark so the the lore from Dark Souls One? Does it make any difference? What's what's the? What's Not, there to, I mean that's and that's that's kind of the problem is that in Dark Souls One you're, you're presented with um, I don't know do you care about spoilers like I could I could t- we could talk about the way that the the end of Dark Souls One is basically like a it's almost exactly the end of Dark Souls Three I think that's my major problem with Dark Souls Three um, yeah is that it doesn't for being uh, the last game in the series, there doesn't feel like much sense of, doesn't have a sense of finality to it. It just feels like, Mm. oh yeah, some stuff happened and I, I guess it's probably going to happen again one day. (laughs) Like it just doesn't. (laughs) And I don't, I don't necessarily need like the ending of a story. Like I don't need the, I don't need the the epilogue at the end of Harry Potter. Right. Like I don't necessarily need everybody's going to be good or be bad or, or, or whatever. Just, just to have some sense that something that we did kind of mattered or didn't matter. Yeah. 
And yeah, exactly. it, that that's what that that's what Dark Souls three was missing for me for the most point. And even the like and I just felt felt like a lot of the the ideas and the differences in the endings didn't they weren't varied enough. Like the the Hollow Knight ending for all intents and purposes might as well be the quote unquote dark ending in Dark Souls one. I said Hollow Knight, okay. that's not what I meant. The Hollow King uh ending or mm. the Hollow is it? Whatever you know what I'm talking about, like that. that, yeah, that quest yeah. Line. I have yeah. no idea. What I don't remember the name what it's is, called. But yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm curious. Um, with all of that in mind, like what? And looking forward to in the next couple of years with From Software having definitely has something in the works that they're not really talking about besides the Shadows Die Twice teaser. What? What in your mind is the ideal next game in this in this franchise? And this is it Dark Souls Four? Is it Bloodborne Two? Is it something brand new? What do you What are you kind of thinking that you want them to do? Uh, I have lots of wishes and all of them are uh, very personal and very like selfish, mm-hmm. so to speak. <laughs> like I, I definitely want a Bloodborne 2 because that was my first Souls game that I, I enjoyed in, in its entirety and it has a special place in my mind and in my heart. But I really don't want a Bloodborne 2 that is a direct sequel. Like I don't I don't want to know anything about... Rom. I don't want to know anything about German. I don't want to know anything about all those characters and what happened in Bloodborne 1. All I want is um, a game that has like obviously the same mechanics as all the Souls game do. Uh, it, that has the same atmosphere and the same tone that Bloodborne did. Uh, like the universe obviously will be the same. If it's a Bloodborne game it will be in the same universe. But I really want completely different story no no references to bloodborne one whatsoever nothing like just just do a parallel universe story with instead of slugs do with something else snakes <laughs> i don't know whatever and absolutely something something yeah. different enough that had is more of a spiritual successor than a direct sequel yes. yeah correct it can be in the same universe like we can we can visit yarnum again maybe or maybe not yarnum specifically but you can you can have like the same world setting, so to speak. Obviously, Yarnam is not the only city in the whole world that is Bloodborne. We don't know what else is it, but obviously, you have like a, another Yarnam somewhere else with different story and different history and so on. So, I would like to explore more more of what this world has to offer, but with no callbacks whatsoever. Like that I would, is, um, that is one thing. I, I wouldn't mind seeing like the the world gig saw be brought up and have you know, <laughs> like you're seeing a reference to the powder kegs, like the group of people that made all those weird weapons. But we're not necessarily revisiting those guys or anything like that. Like yeah. I would, references to and not necessarily revisiting is is something that I would I think I would like to see. Yeah, that's true. I think um, when if we're talking about like weapons and and stuff like that, one thing that Bloodborne. Like for me, Bloodborne was really good in it in its simplicity, so to speak. Like it didn't have very very much variability when it comes to builds, and the weapons were, of course, unique and like different. Um, everything was was really compact. Like you had a weapon that did many things. It had two forms, so you didn't have many of them. But that worked well for me because it was my first game, so I didn't dive really deeply. I didn't have like. 20, 30, 50 weapons to choose from. I had like 15 maybe. So that was good for me. But for the next game, I would like to see a bit more variability when it comes to weapons and builds. 
for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, uh, I don't want to see a blood vial again. <laughs> At least not not in the sense that just just make them renew from like give me the opportunity yeah. to get more if I need them. Yeah. But just you know, just make them renew, and you you have fixed a yeah. major problem with that game. Definitely. I, I, if if I was streaming back then, I would have a counter on my stream how many brick brutes I have killed to get blood vials, <laughs> and that would be I don't know maybe in the thousands. I have no idea. But yeah, no that that's that was something that I didn't really understand why the system changed because if you have something that works and it works well, why change it? Like it, Estes flasks work perfectly. Why why change that? I I don't know. Make yeah. them blood flasks or something. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, it doesn't does not matter what they're called as long as they respawn yeah. when I die. That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you and, uh, and so course, much for for coming out today, yeah. and guesting man. I really really appreciate this. Uh, can you tell everybody where you can be found on the internet if if they want to look you up? Yeah, definitely. And thanks for having me. Obviously, it was really really fun. Uh, if you want to find me on the internet, you can look on Twitter and Twitch at Petrified Wing. Uh, you will find uh, the link in the description, obviously. And then um, I also started last year, I started a blog on Tumblr, which you can find also on petrifiedwing.tumblr.com. It's a, it's a blog, it's called Gaming Roller Coaster. It's about like everything that I just said now about Bloodborne, like my feelings, how, how it was for my first playthrough, uh, how it felt like, and but in much more detail. Um, I wrote uh, I, I wrote a blog about it. Like it's still ongoing. I, I've I've posted like maybe four or five episodes, mm -hmm. uh, like posts, and it goes really slowly because writing all that stuff down from memory is not very very easy. You have to go back and and search, and then edit and all that stuff. Writing is not easy. But um, I also stream from time to time, like Twitch. Um, stream dark souls and other things as well so yeah that's, cool. the, that's the, the places i'll have a link to those in the show notes and again thank you very much for coming out i really appreciate it yeah thanks for having me it was it was a really 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 fun as always i've been your host jeremy greer you can find me on twitter at jg greer you can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com if you want to support the show directly you can go to patreon.com slash don't give up skeleton there's not much on that page right now but i've got some ideas uh, for 2018 that i want to go to so there's going to be some new goals and rewards and things like that coming soon um if you can't do that no problem just tell your friends about the show leave an itunes review or just keep listening to it that's what really matters and i'm glad you guys are out there and doing it thank you by the way for those recent itunes reviews because there's been some really great ones and they make me really happy when i see the really nice reviews so i'm glad that everyone is enjoying the show uh the most important thing though remember don't give up skeleton don't give up skeleton <laughs> <laughs> perfect thank you very much man this has been